Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, and welcome back to Hire the Smile, Episode 7. I'm Mike Pownall, and I'm joined by Katie Arlein. Hi, Katie. Hello, Michael. And so, as we know, Hire the Smile is the Oculus Insights podcast talking about all things human resources. And today we have a very special guest, a longtime friend, uh, Catherine Zimmer from Tierklinik Lucia. It's a, one of the biggest and most famous equine veterinary hospitals in Germany. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you very much. So, Catherine, tell us about Lucia. Uh, it's a, it's a, I know some of your the partners there. I visited it. Uh, it's a fantastic clinic with a great reputation. So, uh, tell us a bit about the business you're a part of. Of course. So, I started the job in Tier Clinic Lucia in 2003. So, that's a very long time ago. And uh, in that year, when I started, we were around 18 people. So, we had a staff of um, 12, and four of them were the owners already. And when I started, my first goals were to, yeah, to get the staff structured to do the pharmacy and to do the whole organization. And now in these times, we are 125 people, uh, which is very big. (laughs) Yes, it is very big. Uh, We had a lot of growth. We had uh, to do a lot of structuring all the years. So we focused on a Dean Iselnorm certification uh, since some years, which is very good for us. But we build it up new departments and change of medicine and change of science also had a lot of uh, pressure on our development and also the diversity of our staff. We really love because we have a lot of vets from other countries and we do in German and in English during the day, but they had to learn German. I found that fascinating when I was there that you have language school for for veterinarians <laughs> and, and staff that join the practice. Wow. We had the last year. I wanted to start that this autumn, but um, it's not possible because of Corona, of course. But yeah, that's a long time ago. And we had a lot of ups and downs through the years. Sure. And I had the chance to to learn all about uh, out of this and to find new solutions for different situations we had. With Steph. And so correct me if, if I'm wrong, but you know, I've known you for about nine, ten years now, and your interest has been very much in human resources and, and you really led the human resource development at Lucia. Yes, that's right. That was always my my hard thing, let's say that, because I was very young when I started in the clinic and I studied in the Netherlands, and I have to say that. The Dutch people uh, are always a little bit faster than the Germans in this kind of things. (laughs) So I learned over there to tolerate the diversity and to try to be a step further than the others. So um, I tried to have a very good relationship to our staff, to everybody, to um, the individuals, let's say that. 
uh, which is nearly not possible at these times, but uh, during all the years, that was something I had to focus on. Uh, since this year, so since the 1st of January, we departed my, let's say, my position in three different positions. So I got a new colleague, and he is responsible now for, the, let's say, for the numbers, for for the money. <laughs> and I have a colleague, uh, her name is Franziska Krima, she's a vet, and she's now responsible for all the the vet and the medicine uh, organization, and I can focus more and more on the human resource management, which I'm very happy about it because yeah. it needs a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, for that many people, that's that's a lot. So a question for you, and maybe you can share with our listeners who haven't spent time in Germany or in vet practice in Germany. When I visited uh, your practice, I also visited some other practices in, in Germany, and I really, yours was, wow, just so different, so special. And so maybe we can just talk about what the typical German practice is like and what, what your practice is like, because I think my sense is a lot of the success that you've had, the way you've been able to grow attract veterinarians is just because of your amazing culture at, at Tier Clinic Lucia. Yes, now I think the same. <laughs> but at these times, I it was not clear for me. So it was not aware uh, that we are so special. I, I was always focused on a good atmosphere and I was always focused on that everybody's happy to come to work every morning. And if there is any problem or there's any kind of problem or something in the heart of the, st of the staff, I try to have a talk about that. And so good communication and very to be very transparent also about our values and what we want to, yeah, what we want from our staff, but also what we give to our staff, I think is very important. And I try to be in communication with everybody. So I try to uh, make it uh, very structured. Now, my, my daily business, let's say, that is very structured. Nearly every hour, I have another meeting. Sometimes with only one person, sometimes with a group or with a whole team um, of a department. But communication is that what I do the whole time, nearly 10 hours or more than a day. So uh, I can find out where is the problem or where is the not a good atmosphere in one of the teams. Um, I can find out why and who, and I try to communicate that with the other teams if there is any anything not right. So I think I always know what's going on in the team. Of course, there is a hierarchy. Hierarchy. Yes, thank you. So, of course, I'm, I, I'm their boss. I know that. But on the other hand, they know they can trust me and they know my door is always open and they can come with everything uh, they want to talk about. So even, I mean, from what I remember, even when you were much smaller than 125 people, you still always had a focus on human resources and taking care of the people. This is not a new thing for you. Right. Yes. It was from the beginning. Yes. We always knew that um, how valuable the, the staff is, how um, important it is. So our, our slogan or however you want to 
to name it is uh, if you have a, a happy staff, you have happy clients, and then you have a happy boss. So that's also yeah. important. But is this something that the, the the partners or the owners of Tier Clinic Lucia knew from very beginning, or is this something that all of you discovered together? Because one of the problems we have with businesses is, you know, we can talk about how important it is to have good human resources and to keep people happy so the customers are happy. But there's often a difference in terms of what owners say they want to do and what's allowed to do. Of course, there are sometimes discussions about these things. And then it's a discussion about what's a priority in this moment. It's uh, the wishes of the staff. It's the life, work-life balance. It's uh, better uh, work times or whatever. Or on the other hand, it's that the clinic has to run and that we have to earn money and that we have to pay all all the people. Of course, that we have always really healthy discussions about that and. The owners always have the focus on the horses and, and on the money, of course. But we can we are like sparing partners, so we can discuss on the same on the same level with each other most of the times. Right. Uh, and so they they listen to me and I listen to them. And uh, in most of the situations, we find a good solution together. And I think it's also good to. To hear what, uh, for example, we have some some staff who has a position now of, of leading. And before I start this discussion with, with partners, I try to hear what the leading college are saying about, about questions. So let's shift back to human resources. So in your experience, as I said, you've been running the human resources in this practice for many years, and, and, and Katie joined this as well. So, but first, let's start with you, Catherine. What makes a good human resource program? What are the components? You mentioned a couple of things earlier, like communication and values. But when you're putting in a human resource program, or you would recommend another vet practice about human resources, what are the key elements to you on what makes a great human resource program? I think you need a good mix of young people, uh, young vets, and also experienced uh, vets. And uh, they have to work together. We always have uh, a four eyes system. Mm -hmm. So there's always somebody behind a young vet who can control and who is there for, for questions. So I think we have a very good education program. That's why a lot of young vets come to our clinic for an internship, for example. And out of this internship, we uh, try to catch them, <laughs> to, uh, to have them further in our clinic for other positions. And I think this is the second point, to find the right position for the right person. So to see what are the, the talents, what are the skills this person brings with, or what are the things we can find out more and we can work together and discuss about that. So to have uh, personal talks with that person and to find out what he wants to do and what he wants to learn, that's really important, I think. So to take time and to to feel and be empathic and to to discuss the goals for for that person in our team. I think that's a really good point you bring up because so often 
uh, we might hire somebody and we have in our mind, we have an idea of what that person is going to do and what their role is going to be. And they're a great person and they have a great personality and they fit in with our culture really well. But we come to find that maybe they're not the best fit for what we wanted. So I think in the last few years, it's been a, a bit of a shift for me in my mindset and thinking, I really, we really like this person. We value their contributions, but I need to stop trying to fit this square peg into a round hole. I need to find what this person is good at and what they like to do instead of trying to force them to do something they don't want to do. So I think that that's, it's so important and having those conversations with people uh, on a regular basis too, because people change and, you know, they might all of a sudden be interested in something else that might benefit the the practice. So uh, having that communication uh, on an ongoing basis and not just, you know, once a year when you do a performance review, you talk to them about what their goals are. You're, it's an ongoing process. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, yeah. It's, it's much more fun from an HR perspective to have an ongoing conversation with somebody about something like this rather than you know, force them to do it once a year and they're scared because it's their review or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to have that they are scared to to have a talk with me. Definitely. So I always try to have a really good relationship with everybody. And of course, everybody is different and some are more, more shy or don't want to say what they really want. But um, then you have to be more clear with that and and they have to see and watch from the others that it works when they when they talk about their wishes and talk about their talents and what they want to do and to have some good perspectives for the next years is always a good sign to to stay at that uh, company absolutely and i think is we're always you know the biggest challenge whether you're in north america or you're in in europe is everybody's looking for vets there's a big shortage of vets there's a big shortage of support staff so you know really doing what you can to you know to hire the right people but to also make sure that the people the great people that you have are enjoying where they're working it's it's much easier to keep somebody than than to have to always look for new vets it's kind of like customers we like to keep our good customers and not have to search for new customers all the time. Yeah, that costs a lot of energy to find the right person on the market. Yes. Exactly. So that's why we um, we have a very uh, big group of interns, for example. Uh, we have eight or nine interns per year and they stay for a year or 15 months. And out of this group, we find out the right person for us who wants to stay and maybe wants to figure out what his talents are and what kind of uh, vet medicine he wants to to do and to be educated in. Good. So what are the, what are the process or how do you identify non-veterinarians, the technicians, the vet assistants, the the people that answer the phones? How how do you find them? And how do you how do you select them rather for your your clinic? That's a big challenge, I have to say, for all the technicians which are so important for our team because they, they are really the, um, the supporters of, of the whole system. So we do this um, education program in Germany, uh, which is a three-year education, and they have to go to school one time a week. And after three years, they got their license, and then they are uh, official technicians. And um, for example, this year, we got 13 uh, at the 1st of August. <laughs> wow. 
it was <laughs> a really funny day. And that's, these are really young people, all girls. And out of this group, we tried to get them for a longer time. And that's the same way. We have talked with them and we, we see what they can do and what they want to do, what they are interested in. And sometimes they don't have the, the idea what the clinic needs. And then I can say, okay, let's see. We have here uh, a position in the MRI or we have a position in in the lab or do you have the idea to maybe to work more in the stable that's the same way mm -hmm. it's also important and um, i think to be very specialized in your job uh, helps to to keep them in the clinic to keep them as staff you know that's something that i've always been impressed about uh, in in germany in the smaller the medium-sized companies that there's this long history of this uh, internal training or apprenticeship program. So you really get a chance to to learn because even though they're there for a number of years to learn how to be a vet assistant or even a veterinarian with an internship, you you know the people before you hire them permanently. And I think that's such a great system that you yeah. have in Germany that I wish we had more of in North America. So what have been your biggest challenges running a human resource program? So one of the biggest challenges for me is the big team. To have a talk with everybody every day is not possible anymore. But for me, it's still very important to have a good relationship to everybody and to find out what's going on in the team. So how is the atmosphere and what are the challenges? What are the problems? What are the daily questions? Uh, so this I can find out by communication. And as I said before, I have a very structured day, so I, I really have every hour a meeting and I hear and I can say, okay, we do it like this or we do it like that or let's let's make decisions. I think that's a good thing. So we are very fast in finding solutions for the departments or for, uh, for the individuals. That's one thing. And the digitalization is also a challenge for me because... <laughs> I had everything on paper <laughs> in the first yeah. years, <laughs> uh, and now I really have to, to to structure it and to organize it in a good way. So um, sometimes I do not remember a talk months ago, so I have to documentate it very good, but that's not the important thing. I think one thing is also that uh, I have to make clear what are the expectations to the staff and what expectations have the staff to me. Right. I think that's one of the biggest challenges also for me. Right. So Katie, I'll have to ask you too, in terms of, you know, what are you, what do you find are often the biggest challenges running any a human resource program in a business? I think really not anything much different um, than what Catherine just said, you know, communication and exactly trying to talk to everybody uh, on a consistent basis can be very challenging because people are so busy, particularly in a big hospital where you've got people uh, all over the place and you, you aren't necessarily, you might have a meeting scheduled, but then something comes up on emergency for them and then you have to reschedule and uh, trying to catch all of that information and trying to catch people at a time when they're prepared to be candid and they're prepared to pay attention to what you're, you're talking about. That's definitely 
something that's difficult and that's that's a significant challenge. And I agree about the expectations too. Um, you know, we have job descriptions. Um, we tell people what we want them to do. Uh, we tell them about what our culture is and what our values are. But still, uh, it can be difficult to really um, pass along what those expectations are. So making sure that's clear for people and, and the expectations, you know, if something changes, making sure everybody knows what the new expectations are. That's something that's very difficult as well. People are people all over the world. <laughs> so it's it's not really surprising that the, the challenges would be the same. But I'd say communication is is huge. And it's not just making sure that we're communicating with the staff. It's making sure that they're communicating with each other in a constructive way. Uh, you know, we do communication training with so many practices. Uh, and it's always amazing to me how uh, how little people are comfortable with actually talking with each other about issues and about challenges and things like that. So I'd say that those, those are two huge ones for me as well. So, you, you know, you talked about the challenges and some of the solutions you have for running a, a great human resource program, but in 2020, this year in particular has been exceptional year with COVID coming along. And so my question is when COVID uh, first happened in Germany in March, end of February, how did you manage your staff with the uncertainty and the challenges of COVID? So first of all, we had a meeting with the owners and we had an idea how to manage everything and how to communicate. And it was very important for me that they, the owners, the owners say, see it in the, in the same way. And when we communicated to the team that the owners say, okay, yes, we do it in that way that they are informed about that first. And after that, we had a lot of meetings with all the different groups and departments. And we had a list of information we said to them personally. Of course, we sent an email too, but for us, it was important to talk with them about, about all the things personally and how we want to go on, how we want to organize our, our team. So we had, for example, two separate, two groups, and what the ideas are behind. And uh, we did that in the first time every week to hear what's going on, how, how is it working, what are the problems, how can we fix it, uh, what are the solutions, and so on. And after some weeks, we did it every second week, and then we did it one time a month. Right. Of course, we, we had to make our own experience during this time. So every time we... We found out something new. Uh, we did not think about that before. We tried to find out a good solution and also talk with that about, for example, our senior vets and our team leader. And they were always very good uh, informed so that they could react really fast in their groups uh, when something happens. So that was, that was a good way to uh, we had to to make it very strict in that time because it was important and we didn't know what the government would do if if there there is a positive uh, test in our team. Sure. So it's like us communication, 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 yes. and that's it. So you know, over the years, I mean, you're so active in in managing people. What do you think has been the the biggest impact, the biggest positive impact 
by having a very uh, uh, complete human resource program. Okay, let's say it like this. When somebody is leaving us because of whatever, private things or not happy anymore in Lucian, and in the first moment, in the first second, I'm always <laughs> very shocked, <laughs> still very shocked, and there is a decision like this. But after some moments, after some days, whatever, there's always a new, uh, a new situation. Somebody else is jumping in the new position, or there, there always is somebody who says, "Okay, um, somebody is leaving us, but I am maybe interested in in that position or in that task uh, this person did before." Um, so what I want to say is, if you send in the team, you can do everything you want here. You just have to say it and we will find a good way. Um, and when there is a vacuum, somebody will jump in it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, that's a great position to be in. As I said, I spent a bit of time there and I've known people that have spent time there and it's, it's very true. And I just think, and that's a similar philosophy that I had in my own business of growing it. So you always have opportunities for talented people to move into a new position or new role. So yes. I think, you know, you have to have that entrepreneurial spirit to keep on growing a business. So, so people have room to develop. Yes. Yeah. A key thing I want to talk about, I just want to come back to earlier, you were talking about um, values and we're a big at Oculus. We're a big believer in companies having a, a solid foundation of values and purpose uh, as the basis for our human resources. How do you use values in your human resource program? When a person starts in our team, he got a, like, it's like a letter where we put down our values or our priorities, let's say that, what is important in the daily business for us. So, for example, it's all about the horse. <laughs> and this is our slogan, and this is what we really live. Um, but for us, the priority is also, for example, the security of uh, our staff, but also other things. And this you can find in this letter and we declare why it is like this. And we try to be the idols so that for us it's clear what are what are the values in our in our company and we show that every day. And we try to make the team sure or secure that they know in the daily business when they do a decision or when they have a talk with a client or whatever, when they concentrate on these values and they have it in their mind and they have it in their decisions, then they are on the right way and then nothing can happen. But on the other hand, we control each other also a little bit uh, for all the, the, the leadership team. So if there is somebody of the leadership team um, who is not demonstrating the values. Yeah, if there is somebody of the leadership, so also the owners don't behave with these values, then <laughs> the others control them. And then we communicate yeah. about that very, very open, yes, in the group. And that helps, I have to say. So we keep on coming back to conversations and communication. and Yeah. 
not waiting on things. Yes, fine. So I just I want to uh, uh, shift our attention a little bit. So it sounds like you have a very busy day at Tier Clinic Lucia, but then you decided to create your own business and you've developed a, a coaching business. So tell us about your business and, and what you hope to do with it. Yeah, that that's a really big thing for me. I did a coaching education two years ago. And of course, I had some some coaching settings by myself. And in that talks, I I find out how good it helps, how in in how many situations I'm not on the right way, and the solution is so close to me, and I, I did not find it by myself. And uh, so I decided to do this coaching education program. And uh, during this uh, program, I had that one or two talks or, or more tools I learned. And I find out that how very good it was. And uh, it is a different way to have the feedback call, talks, for example. But I, I find out that it was very good for our staff and that the development of personality and also of professional skills, uh, I could help very good. Um, and during the the whole process about how we want to structure our leadership team, uh, I said, okay, now is the, the chance for me to take some time off <laughs> of the time in the clinic and to put it in my own business. Uh, because I had a lot of talks with other people in Germany in, in the veterinary medicine about praxis management, about all the things we just talked about and about organization and how to develop people in the right positions. And I said, okay, when I have these telephone calls nearly every week, maybe I can make a business out of it. <laughs> so I, I now at this time, I have a really good uh, network. I, yeah, I have a group of praxis managers around me um, I organized uh, some meetings with them all of all of over Germany, and they come one time uh, a year to to Lucia, and we have very good workshops. And my goal is to make an official group out of it and to define the job of a praxis manager because we don't have it in Germany at this time. That's one of my important goals I I have, and I think I. A lot of people know me now, and I have to use this right. and can make it more popular in Germany, which is very normal in America and in England too, but not in Germany at the moment. You know, the personal coaching is just coming in North America. It's very, very new. So it's, you know, we work with, and part of Oculus, Sue Armstrong, who's been part of our podcast, and she is a certified coach and does a lot of personal coaching just to help the individuals improve. And yes. we have found it has made a huge difference in some of the practices, my own included, when we have a coach to, to help people. We talk about being unstuck, which is not a great word, but helps them be the better uh, professional that they want to be. Well, what I really like about it is that you're really drawing or having people make their own conclusions. You're asking the right questions so they can come to the conclusion themselves. And that's the best way to affect change. Because if you tell somebody, 
you need to change this part of your personality, they're never going to do it. But if you can show them that, you know, they might have less trouble in this area, if they thought about how this personality trait affected other people, then it's a much more transformative type of uh, conversation rather than just sitting them down and telling them what they're doing wrong. So I love it. I think it's magic. Perfect. Yeah, I think the same. And I really love to do it. I really love when this moment is and, and that, that person says, oh, yes, I have an idea. I have, an, I have a solution for me, for myself, for my own problem without saying them, yeah, just what you said, to do it like this or do it like that because then there's no change process. Katrin, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Unfortunately, with COVID, I wish I could get over to Europe and, and visit with you guys again because it's such a, I love uh, what you do there and I love what your clinic Lucia represents. Uh, I really want to thank the t you for taking the time. Um, I'm ex we're all excited for you. We're longtime friends and we wish you all the luck with your new business. I will put in the podcast notes uh, a link to your business so people can search for you if they're looking for a coach. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.